if you've ever picked your child up from daycare, then you know that it's not a good start when the daycare worker greets you at the door and says, hello. <laughs> like, that's never good news, um, ever. But it's definitely not good when they say, you have, <laughs> and they can't stop giggling. Like, that's not, either, that's not good either. But what happened that day was, was very memorable because they stopped us at the door and they said, you'll need to ask your son what he's asking Santa for for Christmas. Uh, we will? We, uh, we hadn't really talked about this yet. Abel was like almost two at the time. He, he, was, he was still pretty young. We hadn't really talked that much about Christmas. We were trying not to make it too much about gifts for him. So I'm a little nervous as we're walking back to, to the room and we get back to, to, to his classroom, and I, and I open the door, and I say, hey, buddy, what are you asking Santa for for Christmas? And Abel looks at me with his big bright eyes and says, donuts. And we just all start cracking up. And because he's a stroop, he never misses an opportunity for comedic timing, and he knows that people think that's funny. So for the next two years, anytime anyone asked him what he wanted from Santa, the answer was always donuts, because he thought every, he realized that everyone else thought that was hilarious. And so here we are now on the third Christmas thinking that, hey, this is going to be, again, you know, Abel's going to ask Santa for donuts, life's good, it's hilarious. And so we got to about mid-November, and I, I approached Abel. I said, Abel, what are we asking Santa for this year? Ready for him to say donuts for year three? Ready for me to be proud that my kid's not too greedy, not too materialistic? I think I'm doing this right. You know, Whitney and I, were trying. We, we've got this figured out. And he goes, Star Wars? I was like, what do you mean Star Wars? Like the whole thing? Like the universe? The movies? The lightsabers, Darth Vader, Darth Maul. Like, he just starts rattling things off that he wants. I'm like, no, no, no. Don't you want donuts for Christmas? And he was like, no. And he goes, but what I do want is Paw Patrol to save Mickey. Buddy, those aren't even on the same channel. That'll never happen. Well, I know, but it would be cool. And so the list starts growing and growing. And I realized that now we've gone from the one-year-old who doesn't really understand to the three-year-old who's been saturated and who knows now kind of that he just kind of can ask for whatever he wants. And it's amazing how it's changed over the two years. And his list goes from just donuts and a smile to anything he can think of and anyone he can ask. Hey, I, I could use this and I could use that and I like this and I like that. And it's this thing that happens with Christmas where for all of us, Christmas really just becomes about the gift, doesn't it? And I, I, I say all of us because it doesn't matter if you're 3 or 30 or 73. It really, for a lot of us, the temptation becomes to give or get the perfect gift. And it becomes this overwhelming desire and sensation for us to, to get there and do it and be it and, and do all of those things, right? Maybe this year you're hoping for, for a brand new iPad under the tree, or if you have a 16-year-old, every 16-year-old in the beginning and history of time has hoped for a car under the Christmas tree. It never works that way. It never happens, but everyone hopes for that. And somebody out there in the audience right now is going, not since the beginning of time because they didn't used to drive in the 1300s. Like, I know, I get it, okay? But you know what I mean. Maybe for you, you remember that perfect gift that you wanted. Mine, I remember, I don't remember exactly how old I was, but it was the Nintendo 64. 
It was perfect. It was the best gaming console there ever was. And every present under the tree that year, I was trying to measure it with a tape measure, seeing if it was maybe the right box size for what could be a Nintendo 64, seeing if maybe it was the one that would fit just right and see if I got it, see if it would be that. And you know this feeling because it happens. And this is what what Christmas for a lot of us gets wrapped up into, is it becomes what we can get for Christmas. Did you know that the average American household goes into debt almost $1,000 annually for Christmas? $1,000 in debt for Christmas. According to the survey, as of November 15th, Something in the neighborhood of 24% of Americans admitted they haven't paid off last year's Christmas, and they're still trying to get ready for this year. And who gets all of the blame for this is that the big red guy named Santa. And we talk a lot about about Christmas here, and we don't talk very much about Santa. And and what happened is Santa kind of came and took over the Christmas season and became this this picture of commercialism and became this picture of greed. And and, and some friends of mine and I, we, we came up with this idea for this skinny Santa and we said, what if as a group of people who believe in Jesus, what if, what if we said it's time for Santa to go on a diet? Because you know, and you saw in the video, the real story of Santa is the story of a guy named St. Nick. And the story of a guy who was, who was born Nick, Nick of Mira in Turkey. And the origin of Santa starts there in Turkey with this guy who, who is a follower of Jesus, whose parents died and who wanted to start being generous. And so all of this starts with a guy who just wanted to be generous. And so I I kind of wanted to be generous to you today. And so I brought you a present. And you guys can share it if you want. You can tell that I wrapped it because the corners are not neatly creased. Do I have any volunteers to unwrap this present? I was figuring it would be Jada because she's about the only person in the room under age 10. Jada, come on up. Jada's going to unwrap this present for you, and we're going to talk about, about, about St. Nick. And St. Nick's first act of generosity was he heard, go ahead, just, just go for it, man. Unwrap it. This is, this, is, this is not your grandmother's Christmas. Rip it open. And St. Nick heard that there were this man whose three daughters were in trouble. And the only way that he could save his daughters was if he had enough money to get them married to, to men who could care for them. And what he did, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Grab all, you got all three of them? And what he did was three nights in a row, he threw bags of money into the girls' windows. Oh, now you're spilling out. It's not real gold, by the way, so don't worry about it. It's actually gold chocolate, like the, because that's real cheap, and it's the easiest way to do it. So she was more impressed by the fact that it was chocolate than it was gold. (laughs) You're not very good at math, are you? So what you're going to do is you're going to go give that out to some people, okay? Go give people some chocolate. That'll help keep them awake. You can, I guess you can leave the stockings there if you want. That's just, just part of it, you know, whatever. So give it away. Give it to some people. So, so, so the story goes that Nick heard that this man had, had these three daughters who he could barely care for anymore, and they were, they were growing, and they, had been, they were older, and he was poor and destitute. And the, the video cleans it up a little bit because they, uh, some of our churches that are doing this are showing it in, in children's ministries and stuff. But the truth of the story is, is that this man had said, 
my only choice is to sell these daughters into slavery. So the, the reality for these girls was they were about to become prostitutes for the rest of their lives because their dad couldn't afford to house them anymore. And at the time in Turkey, they couldn't be married unless they paid the dowry and their dad didn't have money to pay the dowry. And so there was nothing for them. And these girls were desperate for something. And that miracle came in the form of bags of money through the window. And the legend goes that the night it landed in the stocking, and that was the first time St. Nick put a present in the stocking. But here we are thinking through that story in, in the 500s in Turkey and going, yeah, okay, whatever. It's America 2017. But did you know that in 2017 there are more slaves? There are more people owned as slaves in 2017 than any other time in the history of the world. Right now, there are more people being bought and sold as human slaves than any other time in history. I throw the stats out all the time, and I don't, want, I don't want you to become numb to them, but I want you to be reminded of them, that today, one-sixth of this world, roughly 1.1 billion people, live on less than $1 a day. The next tier up, the next sixth of people live on less than $2 a day. So 2 billion people in this world make less than $2 a day. And so when we hear about generosity and we hear about selfishness and we hear about these things, the temptation is to start to think, yeah, yeah, I've heard this before, you know, don't give too many gifts, don't, you know, keep Christ and Christmas, whatever, blah, blah. But the reality is, is that our hearts have grown so fat with greed that we have lost so much. And here's the real truth. You see, we can throw out statistics about people who live in third world countries, but let me share some things with you about Mason, Bracken, Robertson, Adams, and Brown County. Did you know that we are not yet to 100% of houses with running water in these five counties? Do you know that there are still kids in this area who go to sleep every night? The last meal they ate was the meal they ate at school that day. There are people in Bracken, Mason, Robertson, Brown, and Adams County who live in houses with dirt floors. And so we can say what we want, we can roll our eyes at what we want, we can just kind of slough off facts, but the reality is, is that this is something that happens not just in other countries, not just in other times, but here and now. You see, the heart, the heart of greed is the one that says, I don't, I don't need to be generous because I earned this money. I, I don't need to be generous because I worked hard to get where I am. They should too. But that's where, that's where we've gotten pretty fat. And there's this story of, of gifts in, in this story of Christmas that I, I think we, we've heard before, and it kind of becomes one of those new that happens, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's a story of gifts that happens in Scripture that I don't want us to miss out on. It's in the book of Matthew, if you want to turn in your Bible there, or it'll be on the screen, and we'll, I'll read it to you. Um, if you want to turn there, it's this really cool story that, that you've heard before, but I want you to hear it again today. And we're going to talk about the story of, of the three wise men. Because the three wise men come bearing gifts, and the reality is we don't know how many wise men there were. There were at least 
two, because it says wise men, so it was plural. They brought three gifts. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So most people assume there were three, but let's be honest. If a group of men are going somewhere, 100% of them are bringing gifts? Really? I think there are probably more like 10 to 15, and three of them had gifts, and the other 12 are going, are we supposed to bring gifts to this? My wife didn't tell me that. Like, like this. You guys, are, you guys are chuckling. You're like, that's right. I, honey, he's not funny, is he? <laughs> but um, so this is, so we, we don't know how many there were, but there were some. And they were headed to, to Jerusalem, and they only knew that they were following this star. And this star was so prominent that it must be announcing something. So it goes like this in Matthew chapter 2. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. They asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. And this is what the prophet said long before Jesus was born. They promised he would be born in Bethlehem by this. He said, you, Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it was stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And so he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod, and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. And every year when you see the manger scene reenactment or you, you see the Christmas story or you, you hear one of those things or you watch the best Christmas pageant ever and Levi trades out the, the myrrh for the ham, you, you think about this story and you think, this is such a weird part, right? And it is such a strange part to the Christmas story until you start to frame it in the lens of generosity. Because the reality of this story is that it's very practical for you and me today. You see, there's a couple of lessons that we can learn from this that I think are really important for us right now. And the first is that the wise men gave life-saving gifts. If you think about it at first, they gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They gave gold, which is gold, not chocolate-covered, not gold-covered chocolate-like. They gave real gold. Frankincense, which is an incense that was so very valuable, and myrrh, which was a, a perfume of sorts. 
But the reality of these things is that they're all very expensive. These are lavish gifts to give anybody. And the wise men didn't really understand when they started following the star that they were going to, to a baby shower. Like, it wasn't like they were like, what should we give the baby? I don't know, got any perfume? Like, it, it, this, is, this is how it went for them. They saw the star. They knew it meant something. They grabbed the most expensive and valuable thing they could and took it on the journey with them. But it wasn't the gold, frankincense, and myrrh that saved the lives of Joseph, Mary, and, and Jesus. It was what they did with them. You see, most scholars would tell you, and it's, it's an accepted fact, that they took the gifts after the wise men left and gave them word to head to Egypt, and they sold the gifts. Oh, they're so ungrateful. No, they were poor, and they had to get out of the country immediately to save their own lives, and they sold those lavish gifts for enough money to go to Egypt for long enough to survive until Herod was gone. And so those gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh seem weird, and they seem crazy, but the reality is, is they saved the lives of Joseph, Mary, and Jesus because Herod was gunning for them. And you see how, how a generous gift that doesn't really make a lot of sense, how a generous gift that other people thought, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard, how a generous gift saved their lives. The second thing that we need to see about this story is that the Magi are unlikely heroes. They're, they're, depending on what version you read, depending on which, which movie you watch, you can find out more about them. The reality of these guys is they're probably rich, maybe like prince-slash-duke kind of guys who really have nothing else going on other than spending some time as like astrologers, astronomers. And so what they do is they just kind of, you know, stare off into space all day, and they see this star, and they've got a lot of money and a lot of free time, and they travel thousands of miles. And so they're not the kind of guys that if you're writing a book, you're going to say, hey, you know who's going to save the life of, of the Savior? You know who's going to really get this going? It's going to be those guys. But now you see, they're a huge help. And they make a major difference. The wise men are a huge part in this story. And there are times when we think about generosity, when we think about, about gift giving, when we think about trying, trying, to, trying to help, and we think, I, I, can't, I can't do much, I don't have a lot, I can't do much, I'm just one guy, I can't do much, we're just one family. But that's the story of, of the wise men, is that they were unlikely heroes, the rest of the story of Jesus is mostly about Jewish people. Joseph and Mary are Jewish people from a Jewish family, from a prominent Jewish family. Everyone else in the story is Jewish, 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 all the way through. Israel, 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 all the time. But then there's these three guys. And these three guys from a faraway country who don't believe in the God of Israel, who don't believe in the God that we serve, who really probably worship the stars and spend a lot of time do doing a lot of weird stuff, see the star, follow the star, and become heroes. The third thing is that they didn't really understand the value of their gift. I mean, we said it jokingly, but they didn't know who they were bringing the gold, frankincense, and myrrh to. They had no idea that they were about to see a baby. They knew enough about the star to know that it was announcing something important. 
They figured some kind of king. They get to Herod. They kind of tell him it's a king. All of this kind of unfolds. And so they travel for thousands of miles to see this, to see this king. They don't really understand what's going on. They follow the star. The star points them right to where they're going, and they get in the room, and Mary and Joseph go, here he is, and it's a baby. And they're going, uh, sorry? But the generosity that they had changed everything. And this is, this is important for us to understand is that there may be times when, when you're feeling like, man, I really should be generous here. I really need to give this here. I really need to do this here. But it doesn't make sense. But the reality of, of what God is calling us to is a generosity that doesn't make sense to anyone else, maybe even us. Maybe it's a story we'll never know until the day comes when we're in heaven and someone says, hey, one day you, you did X, Y, Z, and it's because of that that I eventually ended up here in heaven with you. This is the story of, of generosity. This is how Jesus changes the world. It is through people who aren't even sure all the time. You see, what, that's what's crazy to me about the story of the wise men is the wise men didn't walk in the room and go, hey, king, here we are. We're going to save you. The wise men walked in the room and they bowed down to the baby. So we don't really know what's going on here. We don't really know what we're doing. We're just here to help. And I think sometimes we get that mixed up when we talk about generosity. You see, we talk about generosity and we fly in with the, the great white hope mentality. Like, well, I'm just going to come in here and I'm going to fix this real quick. Give me a couple weeks and I'll be the guy to get this right. Give me a couple days, I'll get them up on their, pull them up by their bootstraps, everything will be cool. But the wise men came in and they said, listen, we don't really know why we're here. We just came to bring this. How can we help? And this is the story of generosity. Is that they gave these gifts of great value to a baby. And the baby grows up and the baby becomes Jesus. And the baby eventually tells a story that goes like this. The baby says, I was hungry and you fed me. I was, I was, or I was hungry and you didn't feed me. He says, I was, I was thirsty and you didn't give me water. I was in prison and you didn't visit me. He says, I was naked and you didn't clothe me. And the people said, no, no, time out, Jesus, time out. If we saw you like that, we would have done it. If we saw you in need, we would have helped you. But Jesus says this in Matthew 25. He says, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And he's saying, so I saw you pass to that guy. And I saw you give up that chance. And you did that to me. And that's when generosity gets really hard. Just this week, I, I was pumping gas in Maysville, and I saw a guy... And it's the worst when I'm preaching on it because I'm like, I really should do this. And it, he had a backpack and he had an extra pair of boots and you could tell that he had been walking for a while in the double A. And he was kind of sitting on the curb and he shouted something, I think, at me, I'm not sure. And I just knew, I was like, that guy needs a ride. And I was having like one of those days, you know, the, the kind of day where nothing goes right, everything's wrong. I, 
I lose my car keys like three times a week. I'd lost them twice that day. You know, like, it's one of those things. And I was miserable. And I, and I had just left, and I, I, was, I was heading back to work, and I was like, I need to get back to the office. And I was laughing to myself because I was like, no one else is there. It doesn't matter if I'm there or not. This guy needs a ride. And I was like, well, I, don't, I don't really want to give this guy a ride. And I was like, well, what if, he, what if he tries to hurt me? And the guy was like 5'5", five, five, 150 pounds. Like, what if he tries to hurt me? Like, he could. Like, so I'm walking through the store, you know, buying vegetables. And um, I'm glad you all didn't believe that. And um, I'm like, man, that guy needs a ride. I need to give that guy a ride. Man, I've had a bad day. I don't feel like it. So we walk back out of the store, and he says something again, I, I think, maybe to me. And I drive away. And that was Wednesday. And I felt like a jerk all week. Because here I am on stage being like, hey, we got to be generous, we got to be generous. And there was a dude that needed a ride, and I was like, nah, not for me. Because our hearts just get so fat with greed and with self, and we miss out on opportunities that are so simple. And there are times when it wouldn't have been prudent to do that, and there are times, you know, for other people that it might not be the best move, and I understand that. But in that moment, I knew what I needed to do. I just was being too selfish to do it. And so here's my challenge to you, and this is the Skinny Santa challenge over the next couple weeks. There are 40 churches across the country doing Skinny Santa this month for the first time, and hopefully over the next couple of years there will be more. But we're, we're trying to do three different things here. The first is, is to share skinny. And what we mean by share skinny is we're asking you to, to be generous, right? So we're asking you to find ways over this month, over this season, to be generous. As you leave today, I don't actually think there's very many because you all are good at this most of the time, is um, there are white ornaments. The white ornaments represent residents of the nursing home. And uh, if you'd like to buy a gift for a resident of a nursing home, we'd love it if you brought that back wrapped and uh, as soon as possible. There are green ornaments. Those are part of a program that we partner with through, uh, through some partners in Maysville. Uh, those are kids um, who we will give the present to their parents. Their parents will put the present under the tree. Uh, those are kids who, whose parents are trying to get back on their feet, parents who are trying to, to do the right thing, trying to get a degree, trying to get some work. These are kids who, who we can help have Christmas. This is a way we can be generous. There's other ways that you can be generous too. There's ways that you can be generous to the people you work with. There's ways that you can be generous to the people you know, to the people you love. We also like to make it easy for you to do things to get you started on the right track. And so today, as you leave, you're going to get a stocking. And inside that stocking today is going to be cash. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we, we received a large sum of cash, and we believe in giving money away. We believe in giving money away so much that every time we take up an offering, the first 10% that we take up goes out the door to support various missions across the country and around the world. And sometimes um, when we receive large sums of money in one chunk, we like to do special things with it. And so this time what we did is we broke it down and we put it in these little stockings. And as your household leaves today, you'll get a stocking and you're going to do something generous with it. If you need it, you can keep it. Notice I said if you need it, some of you, you might have to write me an essay on why you need it. But if you don't need it, then there's some easy ways for you to be generous. It's not for you to buy your present for your, your uh, angel or your, or your nursing home resident with. 
It's for you to um, use as a tip when you go out to lunch today. Not for you to pay for your lunch with. It's for you to pay for your lunch with your normal money and then say, hey, this money was given to me today and I'm giving it to you. It's for you to um, pay for the person in line behind you at, at the grocery store. It's for you to go to Walmart today in the back of the store. Um, we haven't tried this yet, but I'm hoping someone will and report back to me that this works because I want to do this. And to take this money and say, hey, I, I don't care who, but give me a layaway account. I want to pay off the layaway account today except for one penny. So the next time that mom comes in, she has to pay one penny to get her kids' presents. This money is for you to go down the road to that neighbor who you know is in need of something and say, hey, this is to help pay for what you need. It's for you to leave in the mailbox of somebody you know would never accept it, but they don't have a choice now because it's just there. And who's going to turn down random cash in their mailbox? This is, this is what we do, is we're a people who are generous. Some of you, you're going to get this money, and you're like, man, that's a lot of money. And some of you are going to put more in it. But today is the day to, to kickstart some generosity. The second thing, the second part of the Skinny Santa Challenge is to go skinny. And this is difficult. And we've had conversations like this around our house already, and, and it's proven unfruitful, but we're working on it. Um, we don't do very many Christmas presents at our house on purpose. We follow this rule, and if you want to know more about it, you can, you can ask. Um, there's other people that do it. We didn't make it up. But everybody for Christmas, all the kids get something you want, one thing you want, one thing you need, something to wear, and something to read. Four presents for each kid under the tree. And it's on purpose. A, it's because they have grandparents that spoil the heck out of them and they don't need any more presents. But B, it's to teach them about generosity. And so our challenge to you is to, to talk as a family to go skinny this year and say, hey, maybe, maybe we're going to cut back this year as, as a family. Maybe we're going to give less than we have in the past. Maybe we as a family can, can sponsor another family. Maybe we can pick up another angel off a tree. Maybe we know somebody who, who we could, you know, anonymously donate to. Uh, we, we know other people. I got an email last night about a family saying, hey, if you know people who help with Christmas, like, we know. And so maybe that's what your family does this year. The, the third part of this challenge is to live skinny. And the reason that, uh, that we, we throw in live skinny is this is important to me. I, um, I'm hesitant to do generosity pushes and challenges around Christmas. Like, we always do the angels, and we always do the nursing home residents, but I, I try not to do too much else because everybody pulls at your heartstrings on Christmas, and everybody does a coat drive, and everybody does a can good drive, but then February comes, and everybody's like, I'm just doing me. And that's what the live skinny part of this is, is the commitment from us to be reminded of, hey, we're... We're not just doing this today. This is, this is a, a permanent thing for us. That we're putting Santa on a diet. We're putting our bank accounts, our credit cards. We're putting all of those things on a diet in order for us to be more generous. Because the reality of the Christmas story is that the Christmas story is a story of generosity. You see, God saw you and me. And he saw the state that we were in, broken, battered, 
messed up people, hopeless, hurting people. And he said, the most generous thing that I could do would be to give my son. And he sent his son to be born in a manger, to live and to go to the cross for you and me. And it was there on the cross that his body was broken, that his blood was shed for us. Because the story of it isn't that we earned him on the cross. The story of it isn't that we, we, he's on the cross because we're a good enough person. Isn't that he went to the cross because we were nice today. Isn't that he went to the cross because we showed up at church. The story of it is that even though we didn't deserve it, even though we weren't good enough, he was generous enough to go to the cross for you and for me. So here in just a moment, the guys are going to pass them a piece of bread and a cup, and you'll take it, and you'll remember the words of Jesus when he said, this is my body, broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. Both of these things are, are a gift. Both of those, the body and the blood, they both represent generosity for you and for me.